Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm back, baby, baby. Back now to more of the John Chuckery Show on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios of Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And it's John Chuckery Show. Coming to you live on this All-Star Tuesday. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app, so you catch us on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game at JMCH316 on my personal Twitter page. By the way, too, come on out tomorrow night. We're going to be at Hampton and Hudson. I'm going to be at Hampton and Hudson from 7 to 9 as we have an Atlanta United watch party. So come on out. Hampton and Hudson. I think it's 229 North Highland Avenue. Um, great part of town. I love I love that North Highland area. And um, come on out. Hampton and Hudson. Come on out. 7 to 9. Bud Light drink specials. Be 21 and over and drink responsibly. But uh, Bud Light drink specials. Um, I don't really do much drinking, so I'm I'm probably not really a good candidate for all of that kind of stuff. But it'll be fun. Look, we got ticket giveaways. We had, we had a good time uh, the last time we did one of these events, so a couple weeks ago, about three weeks ago maybe. Uh, but we had a lot of fun, um, and so giving away some uh, tickets to an upcoming match. We've got a signed jersey from an Atlanta United player, so it's a lot of fun. We do the giveaways and uh, just kind of hang out, eat. I'll eat. Uh, if nobody else will eat, you guys can drink. I'll eat. How about that? We'll, we'll make a fair trade-off. So, uh, But come on out, 7 and 9. I'm going to be out at Hampton and Hudson, and uh, we'll have some fun uh, out tomorrow night as you watch some Atlanta United. This, of course, you're not looking at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. So besides doing good morning football on the, the NFL Network the other day, uh, Grady Jarrett was on with Alex Marvez, who um, – I got my thoughts about Alex. I mean, Alex Marvez, do you know that Randy McMichael is Alex Marvez's favorite dolphin? Did you know that? I did not know yes, that. Yes, that's his favorite dolphin is, is Randy McMichael. But anyway, um, he, as Jim Cornette calls him, Officer Bar Brady. Um, he doesn't do, <laughs> yeah, he, he's not necessarily maybe meant for the wrestling business, but that's a whole separate discussion. But uh, Robert Turbin and uh, Alex Marvez, they do the Sirius XM Blitz Show And they had <coughs> Grady Jarrett on the show the other day talking about uh, a lot of different things. Uh, when he was talking about Desmond Ritter, they asked him to describe Desmond Ritter in one word, and he said, confident. He praised Ritter's ability to stay focused and unruffled despite the criticisms and doubts surrounding the team's decision to start him. Jarrett said that the, the negative energy surrounding the quarterback 
position has not affected Ritter in the least. And he commented, uh, er, sorry, he commended Ritter's belief in his own abilities and his dedication to showcasing his skills day in, day out. Quote, I mean, he's so confident in the things he's going to be able to do and we're confident in him, the things that we know he can achieve because he showed the work day in and day out. Well, listen, again, I'll say that Desmond Ritter's a winner. And when you're a winner, there's a, I mean, again, you might not have all of the physical skills, right? You might not have the Jeff George arm or the Peyton Manning football IQ or just the moxie of a Tom Brady. I mean, again, there's all different parts of quarterbacks that make up guys in the NFL. The creativity of a Pat Mahomes, right? But Desmond Ritter's a winner. And, and that's the, when, again, we talk about what's the most important thing. I, I need a guy who can win games. Show me a guy who can win football. Show me a guy who doesn't throw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, but he wins a lot of games. And see, that's where I get sideways with the Kirk Cousins and such of the world. Those guys, and Derek Carr is another one. Right, he throws for 5,000 yards. Yeah, but he's not a winner. Like, what? Um, the Raiders franchise is no better today than they were a decade ago when he was the rookie there. Their franchise is no better. He didn't leave the franchise in a better position when he left than when he was there. And that's the thing about it. And I think Desmond Ritter's a guy that he's a guy that will leave this franchise, whatever point of life that that is, but in better hands than what it was when he got a hold of it. Grady talking about the uh, NFC South, quote, we are not going to go out there and just lay down on nobody. We're going to be where we want to be in the end. You want to win the division. You want to get to the postseason. You want to compete for championships, and that's what we're focused on, being the best we can be, and that's going to get us where we need to be. Well, I mean, obviously, look, first step, win the NFC South, right? Actually, first step, probably make the postseason because you win the NFC South, you're in the postseason, okay? So first step is make the postseason. If you don't win the division, fine. Just get to the playoffs. Second thing would be make the you know, or sorry, win the NFC South. That will get you in the playoffs, guaranteed. Okay? Then from there, look, again, you get in the playoffs with a team like this, anything can happen. Anything can, there can be any kind of roll of the dice with everything. So, look, Grady knows, Grady's been part of really good teams. Grady's been part of some really crap teams. So, we'll see what happens, but obviously, uh, look, Grady is one of the faces, if not the face, of this franchise and certainly was a big deal to keep him back in the fold and sign him to that big contract extension. Uh, Bleacher Report, predicting every team's biggest bust of the 2023 NFL season, okay? For the Atlanta Falcons, Bud Dupree. Here's their write-up. Quote, Bud Dupree is not going to save the Falcons' pass rush. Just ask the Tennessee Titans how that plan plays out. The Falcons, who were last in pressure percentage last season, have taken stabs at solving their pass rush issues over the last few seasons. Dupree is one of the latest as they gave him a modest three, a one-year $3 million contract to see if he can return to form from his days with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The fact is that Dupree's best days come with the Steelers in a blitz-heavy scheme that featured T.J. Watt. That makes production uh, a lot easier to come by. When the Titans scheme asked him to win matchups by himself without the benefit of blitzing, he combined for just seven sacks over the last two seasons. 
Uh, it doesn't help that injuries limited into 22 games over those last two seasons as well. The continued development of Lorenzo Carter and a breakout season from Arnold Evicati are much more likely to help the Falcons get after the pass rusher. Now, you have been a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Dom. Yes. And, um, you know, I again, D-Led has talked about this, that he, you know, when all is said and done, Bud Dupree might be one of those veterans that ends up getting cut, but you saw him in that scheme in Pittsburgh. You know, he thrived in that, but to their point, when you have to win one-on-one, he was a guy that maybe at times could not do that. Yeah, that that was always his issue. He, it it didn't, it wasn't a coincidence that his best statistical year, uh, the year directly before he signed that contract with the Titans, you know, that was with T.J. Watt. Right. You know, like you have T.J. Watt on the other side, you have Cam Hayward in the middle. He's getting paired up. He's getting a bunch of one on ones. He's getting a bunch of all right. Hey, let's put a tight end on him. Like that's when he's most effective. That's why I think. If you are the Falcons, you're hoping someone else can kind of take that next step. Sure. Because then if you have someone that de- that offenses have to commit, you know, a double team to or something like that, and you can give Bud those one-on-one situations, he's athletic enough even still um, to win those. So, again, um, they talk about breakout season for Marlon Libicati. Okay, there's seven months behind me in, in this scenario. <laughs> I, I've been talking about that since literally the end of the regular season that Arnold Ebicady has to be their breakout player. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look, we see this all the time. The Falcons signed a guy by the name of Ray Edwards back in the old days, okay? And he was a double-digit sack guy for the Minnesota Vikings, okay? Came in here and was a complete flop. Now, when he played with the Vikings, do you know who who he paired up with on the other side of that defensive end spot? Who is that? Jared Allen, okay, who, let me see. Oh, yeah, he's one of the best pass rushers in NFL history. Yeah. So guys like that, and and that probably is the scenario about Bud Dupree. Is he more like Ray Edwards, or is he a guy that can contribute? Because, again, we've been down this road before. You know, we've been down this road with guys who are the great second fiddles, but not that guy. They're not – Again, Ray Edwards, a great second fiddle when he plays with Jared Allen, but not that guy. And we don't have Jared Allen. We don't. We don't have. You know, we don't have Miles um, Garrett. You know, we don't have Nick Bosa. We don't have Khalil Mack. We don't have those guys. And that's my biggest concern: is do I have that fire breather coming off the edge to get the quarterback? Now, let's tie into all of this. So. Nick Holden is a writer for the fan-sided network. Uh, Blogging Dirty is the website that, um, that covers the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, he talks about the – he says the three clear ways that the Falcons must improve in 2023. And he puts them in, in an order, okay? One is late-game coaching must improve. I don't dis- disagree with that, but, again, I-, I think Arthur Smith will be better with a more talented roster. Improved play from the quarterback position, okay? Now, obviously, you know, look, we, we need to be better. But then he says Atlanta should now have a consistent pass rush. Okay, here's my answer to that, though. First off, this should be number one. This is your yeah. most glaring weakness. Yeah. You, you, when, when, you, when you sit down and break it down and analyze why we have not been a winner in five years, 
2017 is the last time we were a playoff team and a team that was above 500. Okay? Now, again, Dom, you know, you're new to this thing, so I'm, I'm going to help educate you, okay? You know, why do you think that the San Francisco 49ers have been to five of the last ten NFC Championship games with two different head coaches and three different quarterbacks. By the way, none of them first-round guys. Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Defense. Okay. Not only that, they are the best line of scrimmage organization in the NFL. Mm -hmm. They have a dominant offensive line with the best left tackle in football. Is left tackle important? Very. Okay. And they have pass rusher after pass rusher after. Again, what they go do in the offseason. Well, hold on. They got Varner. They got Bosa. They got Armstead. What they go do in the offseason? Went and got uh, Hargrave. Oh, Javon. really? Mm-hmm. But they paid him two bucks, right? No, nah, they they they, they what? up some money for huh? him. Huh? Really? Yeah. So they took their strength and put more strength on top of it. Yep. That's why you win in the NFL. You dominate on both sides of the line of scrimmage. You don't think it's you don't think it's coincidence, huh? That the Philadelphia Eagles, when they dominated both sides of the line of scrimmage, where'd they end up last year? I believe they call that game the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. And where'd they finish in sacks in the NFL? Number one. Do we have that Josh Kendall clip? Go in Day Day's folder and pull up the Josh Kendall clip. It's probably got to be in his folder somewhere. But again. That needs to be number one. Yeah, I agree. They need better quarterback play, but I don't think that that's going to be a problem. You can't be worse than Marcus Mariota. You can't be worse than him. Pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. That's the thing I'm concerned about. Do you have that clip? All right, well, we'll work on that. So, again, because it'll put my head in my I'll, – I'll be like Orrin. I'll put my head in my hands when – All is said and done. All right, when we come back, Heath Bell, former all-star major league closer, is going to join us. Fun conversation uh, with Heath. We'll talk some uh, baseball about the uh, Braves and around the league when we come back. Chuck Reed, Key Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Are you ready? Back with more John. It's the John Chuckery Show on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. 
Tuesday evening as we get ready for Major League Baseball's All-Star Classic Week. Midsummer uh, Classic uh, being played here this evening. So lots of news in the baseball world. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to former Major League closer, All-Star closer, Heath Bell. You can follow Heath on his personal Twitter page, at HeathBell21. And he joins me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. Atlanta's Ford dealer. Heath, a real pleasure. Thanks for a few minutes on the show tonight, and thanks for jumping on with us here in Atlanta. Yeah, thanks for having me. You guys are having a kick-ass year this year. Well, you know, and and I'm going to ask you about that. I mean, you know, when you look at this Braves team, I I mean, can you point out any flaws? I mean, are there any real things that stand out to you about this ball club, about – you know, what they've done in this first half, getting the you know the first team to 60 wins. Is there anything that jumps out about you negatively about the Braves right now? Um, you play in hot Atlanta, kind of <laughs> hot. The weather's not that good. No, but the Braves have been really good because they didn't, like, start off, you know, wildfire like kind of Cincinnati was tearing it up or, you know, um, uh, Tampa. You know, they were winning slowly, and then they just slowly are getting better and better and better, and it's, you know, everybody talks about like, you know, like Houston was the team to beat last year. And a lot of people aren't talking about Braves for whatever reason, but they kind of might look like the team to beat this year. You know, Heath, I mean, one of the things I've pointed out is there really doesn't seem to be any kind of flaws. And I had a chance to talk with Brett Boone here recently. And, you know, he talked about when you look at this lineup, that there's really no holes in this lineup. It doesn't matter what part of the order that you're pitching against. You're always going to have somebody that can do some damage for you. Well, there's not an easy out. Usually you have guys that as long as you don't throw it down the middle, you know, you make your pitches, there's, there's an easy out. You know, with Atlanta, there's not really an easy out. Everybody, you know, every good hitter only has like two holes in their um, swing. Holes is in what I'm talking about is, you know, that whole Ted Williams, you know, the, the nine strike zones, mm-hmm. you know, up and in, over and away. There's usually only two holes you have to throw to but even those they can make contact they maybe not have power but they can have contact and get on so they're just you know they're a really really good team it's it's not like you know you got some stars but you know you don't have like one superstar like otani or and then some low guys you got a bunch of guys and a bunch of guys that establish themselves and that are really good and future stars and you know like i said it's it's probably one of the teams to beat this year you know the only way that they're not gonna win is if injuries, you know, they got to stay healthy. I mean, that's the only bug for everybody. And, you know, it's been interesting because they have had the injury bug. I mean, obviously, Max Freed, Kyle Wright, um, obviously, Ian Anderson lost for the season. They've had injuries in their lineup. I think that's the remarkable thing, Heath, is that they have battled through this and they've gotten contributions out of anybody. I mean, nobody saw Orlando Arcia starting in the All Star game tonight. I mean, nobody well, saw that coming. It's one of those things that it's a team. You know, right. just because you're not part of the starting eight guys, you know, because nine is the start of the pitcher, but, or I guess nowadays it's, you know, the DH. So the starting nine, it's, you got guys on the bench that are just as capable of playing. They just, you know, they, there's somebody in front of them and you got to give, you know, credit to where it's due, the management, coaching staff to have all those guys to be ready to go when their time comes and, and to talk to them, say, hey, you're not starting right now, just in case something happens and then something does happen, he steps right in and it's not like you miss a beat. So that you gotta you got to give your props and tip your hat to the coaching staff for that. 
former all-star closer Heath Bell joining me on the waitfor.com hotline. How amazed are you by a guy like Spencer Strider? I mean, you know, he's doing things that only Max Scherzer has done. I mean, 160-plus strikeouts, 80 or fewer hits for the only the second time since 1933 when the All-Star game started. I mean, he has been remarkable this year, leading the league in wins, leading the league in strikeouts. How impressed are you by his performance? It's, you know, it's it's fun to watch because I feel like the last couple of years, it's been a lot of, you know, guys have really good stuff and there's been a lot of throwers not really hitting their spots. They got nasty stuff. And even if they throw it down the middle, you're not going to hit it because it's really nasty where he, I feel like is a very good pitcher and he's a nasty pitcher. He's not just a thrower. He's not this guy that goes out there and just, Hey, I got a great, I got a wicked slider, a, a two seam, you know, uh, fastball or a changeup or whatever it is. And I can, if I throw it right, you'll never hit it. And he's like, I'm going to go down and away. I'm going to go up and in, I'm going to go down and in, I'm going to go midway. You know, he he does it all. So, it, it's for me as a pitcher, I love watching that. I love watching guys pitch. So, it's been fun to, when I get a chance to watch him, if he's happened to be on TV when um, the game, where if I'm in front of TV when he's pitching, it's kind of like, ooh. You know, it's kind of like the days when the Braves had uh, Maddox, Smoltz, and, uh, and uh, Glavin. So, it's, you know, you watch the pitchers. They were pitchers. So, and, you know, he he's labeled one of those pitchers like Max Scherzer and stuff. The great pitchers are pitchers. They're not just throwers. You know, Heath, I, w- I want to ask you something because you're obviously infinitely qualified to answer a question like this. You know, fans get upset when a closer isn't perfect every time. And, and you know, we had a little bit of a bump in the road with Kenley Jansen last year, and then he goes out and leads the league in saves, and he's got 40-plus saves, and, you know, again, he's leading the Braves' bullpen. You know, Rizal Iglesias this year, you know, he's had a few bumps in the road, but, again, he's getting the job done. You know, how do you kind of tune out the noise when when you're a closer and in that high-pressure situation? How do you kind of tune out the noise and just are able to focus on baseball and just not worry about your previous outing or your future outings? Like, how do you maintain that focus? You know, you just got to go out there one pitch at a time, one batter at a time. It seems because cliche but it really that's the way you go and you kind of have a short memory you don't think you forget about what happened last night unless it, you know if i i hung a slider and this guy hit it and i'm pitching the next night it's the same guy well i'm not going to hang that slider so you got to remember that but it's one of those things that fans are going to boo you because they want the best out of you they want you to go out there and strike everybody out they want you to go one two three and and you're trying to do that too but it's one of those things that you know we, we try and do our best. It doesn't always work out that way, but we like saying as long as we get the job done, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of like a starting pitcher. If he can go six innings and get a W and get the team a chance to win the game, he did his job. But, you know, he re- really wants to go out there and pitch six shutout innings. But sometimes that happens and your offense doesn't score a run and you kind of feel like, well, I didn't do my job because the team, you know, I didn't have a chance to get a win. So you just have to go out there and, um, you know, just, have a short memory and also to be a good closer you got to be a little different you got to be you just, your screws got to be loose a little bit i mean all all good closers are a little bit different i mean i everybody always says i think outside the box and stuff and i guess that's just me and i've never really grown up unless my kids you know get in trouble then i have to be a grown-up but but jansen jansen's a great guy and he's i think he's a great closer and as soon as he figured out this pitch clock thing because he had a little trouble with that i think he was perfectly fine what what was it when you looked at your end-of-year numbers? 
what was it number of saves? Was it save percentage? Were were there numbers that you paid attention to? You know, during the course of the year or once your season was over, was there something that kind of just okay? If I had forty saves, I had a good year. Or if I was ninety percent closing percentage, like was there something that stood out to you at the end of the year that you kind of pointed to as far as success goes? Well, I always always wanted to win and get to a championship. Never got a chance for that. I was always there for the team. But when I had to actually reflect on my season, my dad told me something that I, you know, the whip. You know, stat, I never really knew until I got to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Still really didn't pay attention. But I was always taught you want to have more innings than hits. Or you want to have more strikeouts than innings. That's what my dad told me. And then you want to have more innings than um, walks and, and hits combined. So you add up your, your walks and hits, basically guys getting on base, and have more innings than that, you know, your number higher. And then have more strikeouts per inning. Those are – those were the like two main things that I always looked at and said, if I did that, you know, if I pitched uh, 60 innings and gave it 40 hits and 10 walks, that would, you know, and struck out, you know, 61 batters, that I had a good year, you know, and it didn't matter what my ERA was, didn't matter how many saves I had, you know, for me, it was trying not to ever blow a save, you know, but just that's kind of like a pitcher going out there and getting 15, 20 wins. So, um, but that was, you know, I figured if I did those things about, keeping my walks down, keeping my hits down and rack up those innings that all the, you know, my ERA would be good. My saves would be good. And all that other stuff would take care of itself. Former major league all-star closer, Heath Bell joining me here on the waitford.com hotline. You know, when you look at the national league this year, there's been some very disappointing teams, the Phillies, the Mets, the Padres, the Cardinals. I mean, teams that have spent big time money. I saw a quote from, Nolan Arenado, where he's thinking that he may even be traded before the end of the year and maybe be traded by the trade deadline. It is interesting that some of these big money franchises have certainly not lived up to expectations. I mean, it's not that the Braves haven't spent money or the Dodgers, but there are some big money teams that have not performed very well this year. Is it is it just simply a lack of chemistry or, you know, is there something else when you look at some of these high dollar teams that they just can't come together? I think it's, it has to do with chemistry. I mean, I'm not in the clubhouses, but I've been a part of big market teams and small market teams. It's chemistry. It takes some time to get together. And I, and I don't want to put any blame on anybody, but if I had to put blame on, it's kind of, you got to get the manager's got to get some because he's got to, make these guys, you know, come together. You got to do something. You know, Joe Madden was really good in Tampa about bringing guys together, about doing different things and kind of incorporating everybody. But when you bring a big money guy into a team or two or three, then everybody kind of looks towards him, this and that. Or, you know, if there's an injury and your clubhouse, you know, nucleus, your clubhouse glue is hurt, then who else is going to fill that role or this and that? Maybe you're waiting for him to come back or something like in Philly when Harper was, you know, not third off the year. So it's just one of those things. Money doesn't win championships. You know, best farm system doesn't win championships, but good baseball teams win championships. And you got to put a good team together. And really, if the owners were really thinking, you go spend money, but you also got to invest in, hey, we're not winning. You know, if we don't win this year, we're going to win next year. You know, you got to, it's not like a, I'm going to put all this great players together and this year we're going to win it. Like everybody says, this is our year. It's more like it's a two, three year process. The Cubs said that when um, uh, Theo went over there 
from the Red Sox a couple years ago. He goes, this is like a four or five year plan. And in the third year, I think it was the fourth year, they won a world series. So you gotta, you gotta put a team together. And I feel like some people or some owners and some management, they, it's all like, well, we'll just sign this guy and that guy and that guy. Well, you gotta have team, good team chemistry too. Cause the dog days of summer or when things aren't going well, everybody's got to be heading the same direction. If not, everybody's heading the same direction. There's your little chink in your armor. And, you know, we all know if you have a little weak spot, those guys in the big leagues, doesn't matter what team you are. doesn't matter if you're Oakland A's or Kansas City Royals right now. They're going to exploit it, and they're going to beat you. You know, and Heath, to your point, do you think that the game has kind of gotten too analytical with some of the decision-making yeah. in it? Oh, yes, yes. There's never – put – let me put it this way. I always want to talk to analytical guys and say, please give me the stat on when somebody has a birthday, why do they always do well? Why wouldn't they have the birth of a son or a daughter, you know, of a child? Why do they always do really well then? You know, analytic that, you know, it's just one of those things you can't. So in baseball is a unique sport that you can have a skinny guy, a fat guy, a slow guy, a tall guy, short, and you could be great ball players. You know, it's one of those things that, you could be different and do really well. You don't have to be the norm like everybody. So I really feel like analytics, if you were a pitcher, and you, you, if you if you were a pitcher and you just had a fastball like Mo did, Rivera, and he just, you spotted and hit your spots and never missed, you could do really well and have a Hall of Fame career. But everybody needs a secondary pitch. And I feel like analytics can be that secondary pitch that helps you out. But if you always just throw curveballs, you know, that second pitch, then – teams are going to eventually hit you. Maybe you have some nasty stuff, but you have to have one or two pitches, you know, where I feel like the analytics can help, but can't make the final decision. And I feel like a lot of teams make that's the final decision is analytics and stuff. So it's, it's one of those things like, you know, Nelson Cruz with San Diego. He got released about a week or two ago. He's hitting better than the other guys, but analytics said since he's not as fast and stuff, then, you know, we got to let him go. Like what? doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Last question for you, Heath. You know, I think that's one of the things that we love about Brian Snitker is that there is kind of that old-school feel to him that, you know, it's not – and, again, look, analytics is everywhere in Major League Baseball, but there is something to kind of having that old soul in the dughouse, dughouse and just kind of guiding that ship, you know, calmly through the waters. And I think, you know, again, the lineage of Braves managers from – Bobby Cox and now Brian Snitker, I think they've always kind of had that just kind of steady ship and, you know, they don't get too, you know, hyped up one direction or the other. Yeah, it's just one of those things is being being a professional. Bobby Cox was a great guy. Had a lot of conversations with him because, you know, he was just awesome and I, any chance I got a chance to go talk to him, I would. But it was just one of those things that you got to have a little bit of old school with the new school. You know, you can't be old school and say, hey, I don't believe in all this new school stuff. No, believe in it, but it should help. Like Bochy had the perfect example up in Texas. They asked, do you like analytics? And he goes, yeah, we were doing that before we they had a name. You know, it was like scouting. He goes, that helps me make my decision, but it doesn't make my decision for me. And I was like, that's the best comment I've ever heard. You know, it's all this information and then let my little old school, my knowledge make that decision. But with all this new information, so, and that's where I'm talking. If you can use that analytics as information, but know your baseball knowledge and then go out there and put it in there and decide who should play or what matchup. Cause I've, there's been times where I've seen 
uh, manager, you know, like Art Howe once, he put a lefty in to face a lefty. And he goes, for some reason, I just felt like he was going to get a hit, and he did. And you can't, there's no rhyme or reason, but we should have put a righty in, you know, righty-lefty matchup. Mm-hmm. But he just felt like a lefty. So, you know, it's just you got to have that baseball knowledge, and then you take in that new school information, and then you put you come with the best decision to make. And and the Braves are doing that. They're doing that really well. I think they learned. Unfortunately, I think the learn, they learned years ago with the Upton deal that analytics isn't everything. And uh, they kind of went a little old school with new school. So I think the Braves are doing pretty well right now. Heath Bell is on Twitter. He is at HeathBell21, former Major League All-Star closer, and joined me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Heath, really appreciate the time. Thanks for a few minutes uh, in Atlanta. Enjoy the All-Star game tonight, and we certainly look forward to chatting again with you soon. Thanks for having me. Take care. You got it. John Chuckery will be back. Sports Radio 929 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Now, more of the John Chuckery Show on Sports Radio 929 The Game. Sports Radio 929 The Game, back at a Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the studios Tuesday night with you. All-Star game is underway. Braves making some uh, plays already. Sean Murphy threw out a base runner, and uh, he Orlando Arcia applied the tag. So, Sean Murphy, the really nice defensive play, throwing a guy out. So, uh, we got that. Uh, Ronnie 0 for 1 uh, in the game. Uh, Garrett Cole pitched his inning, and it was only a nine-pitch inning, but uh, – Ronnie Freeman and Betts went uh, one, two, three, and uh, that was uh, that was it. So, no score right now. Uh, Zach Gallon still in as of right now. What what do you think, Adam, about the uniforms? Uh, obviously, you know they do these kind of same color uniforms now, and this is a uh-huh. very Seattle like uniform. What yeah. do you think about the uniforms of the All Star team? I like them. They're fine. I don't yeah. think they. So you're you're one of these dopey millennials that um, <laughs> see again. Um, there should be a rule in Major League Baseball that all of the All-Stars have to wear their uniforms from 1977 and 1978. That should be the only uniforms that are allowed to be worn during All-Star games. We're talking about the powder blues of the Philadelphia Phillies. We're talking about the all-yellow of the Pittsburgh Pirates. We're talking about the brown and the yellows of the San Diego Padres. We're talking about the Astros with that, you know, star and that multicolor across yeah. their chest. Like, that's what we're talking about. Give me that kind of all-star. That should be the rule is that everybody should wear their uniforms from 1977 and 1978, and that's it. Yeah, I, I, I can get behind that. I, yeah. I love that idea. Yeah, I mean, again, those are – that was what made the All-Star game so great, too. Like, for instance, you'd watch the All-Star game, and everybody would line up on the you know foul lines, and they'd introduce everybody, and you'd see your guy in their uniform, right? Like, there wasn't this Nike deal and all this kind of stuff. Your guy, whether, whether you rooted for the Padres or the Braves or the Indians, your guy was in his uniform representing your team. And that's what I loved about it. And, again, when you look at those 77, 78 all-star teams and it's the Kansas City Royals 
in the powder blues and the Chicago Cubs in their in their uh, pinstripes, you know, and it's the Yankees in their classic uniforms. It's the Red Sox in their classic uniforms. It's the Pirates in the all yellow. That's what made the All-Star great. That's what made the All-Star game so fun is seeing your guys in those uniforms. And now we have, you know, again, I understand why they do it. It's all about money. There's no other reason to do it than it's all about money. But it looks, everybody looks like they play for the Seattle Mariners in this game. Yeah, that it does look a little funny. Yeah. It takes, yeah. kind of takes away the whole point of, you know, oh, we want everyone represented and all the right. team. Yeah. Right. And I want to see a Mariners player wear the trident. I want to see a Mariners player wear the blue hat with the trident in, for the M on on his logo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see a Texas Rangers player because there's plenty of Texas Rangers players. I want to see them in their powder blues, right? The red and the dark blue and the powder blues. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see the Astros players with the Astro, you know, the space logo across their chest. Yeah. Like yeah. Nolan Ryan had, you know, guys like that. Or, or J.R. Richard. Like, I want to see those uniforms. Let's have some fun with it. Let's, let's be a little creative. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, because again, everybody looks like Julio Lugo or whoever. What's the, what's the guy's name? Um, who's who's the who's the guy's name? Um, Julio, um, the the big star player for for the Mariners. Uh, my brain is dead. Um, but everybody looks like him. Every everybody looks like looks like him. Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, Julio Rodriguez. Like everybody looks like Julio Rodriguez because they all got the same uniform on. Like they all they all look like they're Seattle Mariners players. Like, you know. Come on, let's let's yeah. have a little bit of fun. Let's go old school. Maybe someday. Maybe, maybe when they get to the hundred year anniversary. What what's what year? Because the All Star Game started in 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 uh, thirty three, right? What year would in this 33, be? Thirty three. So that would mean. So we got ten more years. Yeah, I was yeah. Saying, ten more so, right, years. So so this is the ninetieth. Well, they've played more than ninety All Star games because do you know that in the what was it the early sixties they played multiple All Star games. I did you not know, know that? that. I did yeah, not they know played. That. They played more. They played more than one All Star games for just a few years. So they they played more. I think. I think in the early '60s. I think that mm-hmm. was that they played multiple All Star games. Huh, so um, it's weird. I mean, there, there's been weird things with the uh, with the All Star game over the years. But let's bring back the uh, old school uniforms. So, all right. Speaking of uh, old school, let's get to something we call what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> Like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Buggin' Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So, has anybody ever complained about the length of baseball playoff games? Like, it I, again, I know people have complained about regular season baseball games and the length of them, and especially when it's, the Atlanta Braves versus whatever, the Pittsburgh Pirates, right? We don't want to see three-and-a-half, four-hour games. But does anybody complain when it's Braves-Dodgers in the playoffs with it all on the line about the length of the game? I don't think so. So here's what's happening. The MLB Players Association, the Major League Baseball Players Association, wants to soften the pitch timer rule as the 2023 playoff season approaches. Now, Rob Manfred is looking at keeping everything status quo as is. 
Tony Clark from the MLBPA, MLBPA executive director. Uh, quote, I don't think there are too many folks that want to have a new rule affect a game in a pennant chase or in the playoffs. There are adjustments that can be beneficial. Now, um, obviously, this has been the big change in baseball is pitch clock and speeding up the game. And it's done a great job. I mean, listen, the Braves play a lot of these games where they play the, the god-awful Marlins or the dreadful Washington Nationals or the godforsaken Oakland A's. And those games fly right by. Yep. That's how they should be. Yep. Right? They should fly by. But there's nothing wrong with the nuances of baseball when you get into high-pressure, high-leverage situations. That's playoff baseball. And – the Players Association wants a little bit of a change. Quote, consider this from Tony Clark as well. Quote, considering you just played a 162-game season with a pitch clock, nobody is looking to play three-and-a-half, four-hour games. I don't think a few seconds here or there is going to create a three-and-a-half, four-hour game. So basically, they don't, want, they don't want the pitch clock to have to be such a dominant force. Now, Rob Manfred said, quote, we don't want a postseason game decided on a violation. We haven't had a game decided that way so far. I understand it's a possibility. But what the Players Association is really saying is, again, they're not trying to get back to the old way of thinking in this, that, and the other. But they do talk about, quote, the lines of communication are open. We're glad that they are. We're hopeful that despite some of the things not being included in the conversation initially, that they might be considered down the stretch. Like, they they want some things softened. So, right now, what you're looking at is um, uh, it's 15 seconds, which allows 15 seconds between pitches when the bases are empty and 20 seconds when runners are on. They want to expand that a little bit, right? When you're in high-leverage situations when you need to make sure you get the sign from your third base coach, this, that, and the other. You want to make sure that in these high-leverage situations that everything is on track. It's not about trying to blow through a game to get through it as quickly as possible. And again, I will say, they've done a great job of speeding up baseball games. But do we complain on a basis that playoff games are too long? When you get to the playoffs, you want to see good baseball not fast baseball necessarily. I know the two things can both coincide and maybe oppose one another, but it's not about speed when it comes to playoff baseball. I want to see well-played playoff baseball. I want to see strategy and all those kinds of things involved in it. All right, speaking of baseball, we're going to hear from Alex Anthopoulos when we come back from the top of the hour. Chuck Green, Nikia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Don't sweat the technique. Don't sweat the technique. Don't sweat the technique. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.